Hello, welcome to Sobre Mesa, a podcast from our table to yours. Welcome to our three-part Latinx gaming series where we explore Latinx representation in video games and the industry. Today, I have a really special treat for you. I'm here with Brazilian indie game dev, uh, Joao Branch. Did I do it? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It's like Amazing. the lightsaber sound I told you earlier. Like, <laughs> Joao. Joao. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, creator of Long Hat House. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited to have you talk about your company and Dondara, which we'll get into in a second. Um, but yeah, just go ahead and give yourself a quick introduction. Let the people know who you are, what you do at Long Hat House. Uh, hello, I'm John Branch, and uh, I'm a developer on Long Hat House. It's such a small company that I that pretty much says that I do everything, kind of like a program and I designed the games, which is different. And uh, and I do some art or some sound if needed, but for Dandara, we did we did have an, a, a proper artist and a proper sound designer. But the, the rest, designing the game and programming it, it was not just me because I have a business partner, Lucas, who is also a developer and we, we shared all this, those tasks that are not sound and art and visual art. I don't know what, how, why we say that sound is not art, right? But <laughs> it is in its own way. It is, Absolutely. of course. Uh, but yeah. it's like in the industry, we usually say like art and, and sound. Mm -hmm. but that's weird. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, that's pretty much it. We, we started the company like the, the last year of the university. Uh, mm -hmm. We are doing computer science together, me and Lucas. We we talk to each other like, sh uh, should we make a game? Because we're talking about it all the the graduation and, uh, we sh or else we're going to have to find an IT job next year. You know, something that yep. really we wouldn't like to. So yeah. we started making a game, and uh, the World Cup happened. It was there, yeah, and university normally gives you like a vacation for the World Cup, kinda. <laughs> and, nice. But we used that to, to, to start making the game. And then when the World Cup stopped, uh, ended with the, when it, it, that's when we lost to, to Germany for seven goals to one. That's a, yeah, I remember it was that. on our city. <laughs> <laughs> I went oh, partying no. with Germans uh, the, that, that day was awesome. Dramatic. Nah, that's <laughs> fine. And uh, when the cup ended, we more or less like have uh, we put the, the foot on the throttle, you know, and and then we just need to finish it, uh, and we finished the game called Magenta Arcade together, mm -hmm. and that game we were finalists on a indie festival called Big on São Paulo, cool. and mm -hmm. some some critics from all over the world gave us like four stars, five stars even. And it felt like good. It felt like uh, we had we have something to offer, you know? And we yeah, should continue absolutely. doing that. Uh, and we learned so much with the game and we felt in the industry. So we had to travel to Sao Paulo and meet all those people. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing. We felt like inside that it wasn't a financial success or anything like that, but uh, we felt we should continue doing it. And we learned so much 
we learned that things that we should have done, oh, we should have done this better in a design perspective, and we continued doing it. Did a lot of prototypes, and the the, the prototype that stand on and and got bigger and bigger ended up being Dandara, which is the game with the doll in the behind me. Absolutely. It's more or less a story. We so appreciate like your humble beginnings because we are such a small company as well. It's four of us and we also do everything. So we totally understand what it's like uh, to sort of wear every single hat (laughs) that you have to, to make it work. But, you know, we appreciate that. We get it. Um, Yeah, I I actually wanted to ask you about your slogan of the company. It's a really unique slogan and I wanted you to explain it. Um, so the slogan is games you would maybe want to make your granny play someday. I love it. I think it's so unique. So please like talk about that a little uh, bit. There, there's a lot of ideas on that slogan uh, because we have this obsession, I guess, with innovation or making something new that feels new. And Magenta Arcade had a lot of that. Dandara has a lot of it. It's a game where like, there's a character on the side scroller. She doesn't walk. Uh, it feels different and we're always obsessed about making a, a new game and I think like the, the name Long Hat House means like the, the magician the, the magician kind of hat that if you expect what he's going to pull from the hat it's not it's not a fun anymore right uh, and games that you would show to a granny it's because by making new stuff, you like, you have more people joining and and enjoying the game, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's that kind of thing, breaking the barrier of the the gamer thing. You know, everyone is a gamer. Uh, everyone mm-hmm. can be potentially a gamer because everyone reads books, everyone watches movies. Yeah, right. You're right. Yeah, and we want to try to do that. I don't think we. We like we, we want to try to do to like have everyone play, but of course we want to do difficult games as well, right? Like, <laughs> and that's a paradoxical thing, but that's it. Uh, games that everyone that are so strange that everyone maybe you would show to your grandma because the game's so strange. It doesn't like have that yeah. feel that this game shouldn't be for her or something like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of unique, you know, absolutely whimsical games. Yeah. Let's get to the Dundara talk. So first off, congratulations on the awards. Um, Like I I heard that you won the Brazilian Game Awards uh, Game of the Year, which is such a great achievement. You also made it on uh, Time.com's Best Games of 2018. That was crazy. Along games like Spider-Man, God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, that was that's crazy. insane. Like, how did that feel? I want to know where where were you in that moment, like, when you saw that? And, like, how did you react? I saw a tweet first from a random person. And I was like, ah, no. Mm, this must be, like, something. I don't know. <laughs> but then, it, it, then I, I saw that it was real. Uh and everyone in the company, like we were working on Dandara at the time, making the, mm-hmm. the expansion. And we were like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that was, I don't remember the day. That was crazy. And we, I think <laughs> we went to either a bar or a ice cream place. <laughs> to celebrate. <laughs> to celebrate. 
Yeah, well earned. That's incredible. Yeah, and I and I see why because it is just so unique and fun, and you know we'll get to the gameplay soon. I don't want to like spoil anything yet, but um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you about um, first off, just a little bit about the history, right? Because a lot of people listening, and I'm sure you get this question a lot, right? Like they don't know who Dandara is. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of a lost history thing there on theme with the game, um, where a lot of people just aren't aware of dandara as a you know as a historical figure yeah even brazilians um, even brazil exactly yeah. yeah like i i'll be honest i didn't know yeah. until i uh, started playing the game and then i was like oh and i started doing all this research and learned so much so yeah if you could summarize a little bit for the audience just like who she is who she was well uh first i should like talk about quilombo dos palmares like there's a there was a slavery in brazil right and that was pretty terrible, but there was resistance. Like runaway enslaved people used to join together on quilombos to, to resist, mm-hmm. resist together and all that. And there were many quilombos all around Brazil. And one of the most notorious one was Quilombo dos Palmares because it endured for like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So it was like a hundred years of constant fighting and like and it was big. It was a big Colombo as well. The population was bigger than, than Rio de Janeiro at some point, which is like, wow. But the Colombo is not like a city. It's kind of like a, a set of settlements. Like a settlement, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of characters on that place, historical characters. Uh, Zumbi dos Palmares, uh, his uncle, Ganga Zumba, and there was Dandara dos Palmares, which is the wife of, of Zumbi. She start, I, I started knowing her as the wife of Zumbi dos Palmares, the leader at some point. And she, there's a lot of mystery about her. Because like this history wasn't told by the, the Quilombo people, right? right? It was told by the Portuguese who defeated them in the end. So it's always told by the victors. Yes, yeah. and they wouldn't tell, talk about women in there, right? So Nanara dos Palmares, there's a lot of debate if she was real or not. Mm-hmm. And but they said she was a fighter, a freedom fighter. She was a strategist. She fought in wars, in battles. She like organized the crops, everything. She she was a super badass leader. And maybe responsible for a lot of the 100 years. And all the mystery that surrounds her makes her really interesting and makes her, makes her really symbolic as well, because there's all this strength around her, right? right. There, there's people named after her. There's social movements of resistance that, that, that happen today named after her. Uh, places named after her it's it, it, it's a name of a lot of, of strength in the in the black movement black and woman yeah. movement here in brazil mm-hmm. yeah that's really really cool um it must have been fun too like because there's so little known about her that sort of gave you a lot of creative freedom to sort of imagine you know like a, a magical realist story uh of hers which is a cool you know, opportunity for you as a game creator to take this like lost historical figure and bring her to the mainstream, um, which is super cool. Yeah, yeah, but but it's super. You gotta be careful about that too, right? 
that too uh, yeah yeah because mm -hmm. uh, at, at some point even we wanted that's how the game started we wanted to make a historical adaptation of of mm. the kilometers from mars and use and wow. tell by the point of view of dandara like a, a star a historical thing but an adaptation yeah. and with allegories it was like gonna be a cyberpunk thing but we 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 backed away from that idea for, of, of making a historical adaptation because we were mm -hmm. two programmers. We, we were no writers and right. we would have to do a lot of research to make this mm -hmm. work, right? Because we're, we right. were going to talk about slavery and Brazil is not a country that uh, treats its own yeah. history with slavery very well. It's it's yeah. very poor actually, and like yeah. the idea of misinforming people was mm -hmm. pretty bad. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want to do that, and instead, but but when we shifted the story to something more personal, something that we feel like everyone goes through, and Dandara survived the transition. The main character, inspired by yeah. by Dandara dos Palmares, does like bringing all the symbolism about, uh, around her. And that was like a, a, a reference, right? As you said, like you, you researched a bit about Dandara Spamaris and get, got to know her. And right. we started thinking like that, that there's a lot of power there in the reference. And we started like adding all those references in the game. There's an artist called uh, Tarsila do Amaral, which is a very famous Brazilian artist, referencing the game in the same way, and mm. it it started to be a game about references mostly, and like the game was mysterious, the the history was on the background. We went we did we went to put the the action on the foreground, right, and by doing that, it invites all like the references invites the player to get to know more because it's so mysterious. It makes the players right. wonder what's going to be the next thing that's going to arrive because it's it, it's based on a reference. So it's like really unique, I guess. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's good for an exploration game, which the, the Dandara is. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For those of you listening and, you know, aren't familiar with the game, Dandara is a, is a 2D Metroidvania yes. platformer with, like, anti-gravity, like, exploration. Like, it's no no walking. Like, you basically use gravity, like, the well, the lack of gravity to shoot from spot to spot all over Zigzagging the all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And I was actually going to ask about that because... To me, it was, and I don't know if this was the intention, but it's kind of reminiscent of the, uh, for, forgive me if I say this wrong, the the capoeira, the capo, capoeira, like fighting capoeira. style. Capoeira, okay, there we go. <laughs> it it kind of reminded me of it because like, you know, I know that that was like an ancestral like war dancing thing that was like prominent in that time when Dandara um, historically existed. And it reminded me of like the sort of like, uh, uh, it's all like fast movement and about evasion and about like waiting for your opportunity to strike. And I kind of feel that way when I play as Dandara. Yeah, Capoeira is, 
I've, I've heard from a historian that capoeira is actually an evolution from that time. Like, the way the people fought on that time was really different from capoeira. Not really different, but different. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the one of the references for the visual art of the character to have mm -hmm. her be uh, what's the word like subtle, not no, yeah. not not subtle, but like majestic, something like that. Right, like she right. she's really really have a lot of intention in every move she makes and all that and right. capoeira was was mm -hmm. really a good reference to bring that that out mm -hmm. and yeah. it makes it hard <laughs> yeah i mean fun but hard right because it's not like other metroidvania like 2d platformers where like you can sort of just like jump and shoot you know like i feel like you have to be really tactical in the way that you can't just click everywhere you can't just hit hit yes. buttons because like you will end up running into the enemy. And I had to learn that the hard way. I spent like the first hour playing the game, just like accidentally running into the enemies. Um, so yeah, it makes it difficult. And do you get that a lot? Like, do a lot of people think your game is hard? Yes, <laughs> of course. The game is hard. Uh, yeah. It is a game that asks for your attention, like pay attention and mm -hmm. it's going to be a warning. That's the, that's the whole gist of the game. Like right. reward you if you pay attention, if you put some effort. Right. But I don't think it's the hardest thing ever. <laughs> but no. I'm biased. I'm it's totally playable. Biased. It's yeah. Playable. <laughs> no, it definitely requires a certain level of patience. Because, you know, like what I was just saying, the whole tactical thing. Like, you can't just, like, run around. You have to, like, sort of wait for the right opportunity. To yeah, play. you have to score um, the, like, look at yeah. the environment a little bit before you make your move. Yeah. And you have to think, like, three steps ahead. Because, you know, if you shoot into a certain part of the map... And you weren't prepared to then deal with the next thing coming at you. You know what I mean? So you really have to time it properly. Um, but I think that's what makes it fun. It's like yes. challenging in a great way. <laughs> but I, yeah. I think so too. Like the game actually mm -hmm. started as a mobile game. That's mm -hmm. why that's why she doesn't that. walk. Wow. Because I had no idea. the swiping gesture. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah, why just, and it would just Yeah. And you keep walking mm -hmm. with the swipe gesture. And well, that must have translated a switch pretty well. Yes, yeah. there was a lot of work, like translating to yeah. gamepads, mm -hmm. and uh, but it, it was pretty worth it, like the gamepad transition. But that's why mm -hmm. that's why she doesn't uh, uh, walk normally, and I think that's also why the game is a bit hard. Like that, it's yeah. one of the reasons because at the time when we started making the game after Magenta Arcade, we like, ah, there's a lot of stuff you can do with the touch screen, right? And right. that people doesn't doesn't care too much because because the market always say tells you like you should do casual games, you should do games that you need to play with one hand, need to play like waiting for the yeah. bus, right? And we thought that a hard game, uh, I'm gonna silence my phone. Oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> but we thought that making a hard game would be like something fresh, right? Yeah. Like a game that asks for your attention would be mm -hmm. different. And the game like would be fresh for uh, for the mobile game gamers. Right, right. 
Um, That's so cool. I had no idea that it started off as a mobile game. That actually makes a lot of sense now that you said it. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. But I think that gave you an opportunity to create something really different, you know, because you weren't originally designing it for like console or for PC. So you ended up having to like, you know, adjust and yes. make it just a completely different gameplay style. So uh, that's really cool. It ended up being an opportunity. I yes, think. exactly. Um, I, I think that yeah. that's why the game's so new because we came from the mobile uh, point of view mm -hmm. and translating that to game pads. And we didn't want to like make a different experience from game pads. We want to make the, the same, the same, very same experience. And doing that was what, like, where where the innovation, the gameplay, came from. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Shifting like focus a little bit, I wanted to ask about the um the beautiful cover art um, ah, yeah. that I see for the game because it's it's so beautiful. Like the second I saw it, it, it just completely you know got my attention. It's really like surreal. For those of you uh, listening to audio, not video. Uh, definitely look it up. It's like this beautiful image of Dandara, like almost like floating in the sky. Uh, she looks like she's dancing almost. Like it's a really, really cool image. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Like who who designed that? Who drew it? Um, and and what did what was the idea, the inspiration behind it? Yeah, the, Dandara was kind of like uh, we did together like a mood board, you know, oh. where you like make a collage. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. you make the characters, and from that we make the pixel art. Mm. And from the pixel art, I, we were needing. We had a publisher. That's why the game went to consoles. Uh, actually, right. we were. It's our second game, and we signed with this Swedish publisher called Raw Fury, and which pos made it possible to go to the consoles so early in our life, right? Our second game. We didn't know right. how to start to make the to consoles. And uh, from the pixel art, uh, Victor, uh, it's a pixel artist of the game. He helped us <clears throat> by redesigning the, the character. And when we had a publisher and we needed a, a cover art, uh, there was this Canadian artist called uh, Oh damn it! I, I forgot her name now. Kelly. That's okay. Kelly I'll, Santiago. I'll oh, yeah, <laughs> Kelly Santiago. And we showed her the pixel art and can you make please? Uh, can you please make a, a cover art for this? And she, she gave us the option like a, a commission and the artist would do. And she did. It was a re really good job. She did the art for Kingdom. It's another oh. Raw Fury game. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. why we we got to know her. That's really cool. It's just so beautiful. Like it, oh, I want it like in a poster, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's like the image of her in the sky. Like it's just so pretty. But have you seen um, the yeah. the soundtrack art? No, uh, I haven't actually. Is it different? It, it is. It up. is. soundtrack. It's a xylo. I don't know how to say it in English. Xylograph. When you oh, like carve, cool. carve the art on wood. Oh wow! Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's a Brazilian artist that did that. It's, it's really cool. Do you remember the name of the Brazilian artist? Yeah, it's Luisa Almeida. She she's only on Luisa Instagram. Almeida. Oh, okay, great. I'm gonna follow her. Yes, <laughs> I'll put the tags here. Yes, her art so you guys can... on her Instagram yeah. is amazing. Help her promote. 
hey, we're here to promote Latin American artists. Like, that's why we're here. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's really, really cool. Awesome. Thank you for showing me that. Um, on, a, on a cultural side, right, I wanted to talk about sort of like the, yes, the references to like Brazilian culture and like the locations. Were any of like the settings that you designed in the game like inspired by real life Brazilian locations? Or did you sort of just go from like a completely made up like world? Um, I think it's a mix of the two. Mm. the the first level where we like started making it first and we mm. it went through a lot of redesigns and i think that's the one who got the most uh references from Horizonte. that's the city we are gotcha. <laughs> based on and mm. yeah that's the but the the other levels have references from real world places mm -hmm. but i think there are less like less, less iterated obvious. because we did them yeah. later like the first level mm -hmm. we redid it so many times um, really? but there's a lot of references from places everywhere mm. yeah i i can like see it you know i can see it when i'm playing it it feels like it's yes it's fantasy it's magical realism but it feels like it's loosely referring to something that's good know? and that's a good feedback yeah. because that's exactly the the kind of feeling we were looking for good i'm so glad i got it then. yes uh, yeah it's it's awesome and on the magical realism note um what about like i know that you know we talked about the zero gravity thing already which is obviously very fantastical whimsical magical but I noticed that that wasn't the only thing magical about it, right? Because, like, the whole game has, like, all these little different things, like, um, references to, like, you know, the use of salt and, and essence and, and ghosts and, you know, all these, like, interesting terms that you decided to use uh, for the mechanics and for the story. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that, because I know that, like, in Latin American culture, magical realism is obviously very huge in writing and in storytelling. Um, so how did that affect you when you were writing the story for the Oh wow! I, maybe I have a, like a, a boring answer for that. It's like <laughs> it, okay. it, it came from the the mechanics. Like we were making the mechanics mm. first. We, mm -hmm. we came out with the the straight jumps and all that, and it was like any character. It was like a square, yeah. and we need to like, mm -hmm. where? How are we gonna tell? Like why? Why yeah. is the character doing this? And we're like, oh, so the That's the world cool. has has to not have gravity, right? Or else yeah it doesn't work uh or, or the character has to have uh, an answer to that but we went to for the world like we wanted to make a visual different thing with the trees upside down and all that so let, let's do it yeah. anti-gravity thing so the world get to be anti-gravity so it was using references and the the world has to be kind of we wanted to give a feeling of alice in wonderland yeah. Like this mm -hmm. different world with different rules. However, it mixed well with the anti-gravity thing. So we went mm -hmm. with that. And the references, like, help that with that a lot. Being dreamlike, you know? Like, like mm -hmm. being like figments of thoughts you have in the, in the world. It helps yeah. with that a lot. And that's pretty much it. We're like... Does the game needs it? What the game needs right now? And then we think about it. And then we make maybe take a reference from reward. We really try to have yeah. like uh uh like intentionally like trying to not reference ourselves on other games. 
that's the main thing yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we started doing the, the, the story, the first thing we thought about was the, a dude uh, shooting aliens in outer space. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. That sounds like it's a... very different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like any game, you know? Uh, any game you've ever played. That's, Absolutely. That's exactly yeah. when we started to think about uh, cultural things. Like, this is a very mm-hmm. specific a military guy shooting aliens. That's a very American thing, right? That, it is. That, yeah. And that's a very contra thing, like the, the game contra, mm-hmm. where yeah. Japanese tried True. to like make yeah. games for Americans. So they, yep. so it's a very a mishmash point. of that, and we doing something yeah. like that. So like like let's start start to look around us and and finding finding the inspiration mm-hmm. elsewhere. Like and us. a cultural thing that's so specific to Brazil. You know what I mean? It's so uniquely Brazil. Like, that's what I think makes it really special. I really like that feedback because I think, like, we Brazilians can make a Viking game. Uh, we Latin Americans can make a Viking game, a zombie game on a shopping mall. Right. But we have a disadvantage, like a really straight disadvantage to a, towards a... Uh, Nordic, like from Scandinavian yeah. person, because this right. Scandinavian person like can feel around yeah. the temperature that the Viking was feeling, mm-hmm. right? They can yeah. imagine that way quicker than us. We have to like use other media, read a book or travel there. Be be, be very expensive yeah. to do Absolutely. something new, but yeah. To make to... your answer was not boring at all, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yes. It wasn't. It was a really good answer. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like like you said you did mechanics first and then you found a story that fit the mechanics, right? That reminds me of form poetry. When you have to follow a rhyme scheme, oh. it almost forces you to be more creative. You know what I mean? Like when you when you have a form you have to follow, something you have to fit the story into, then you really have to get creative and, and inventive and innovate. You know what I mean? Like with Exactly. The, the when you f- find a way to yeah. limit yourself, like that's a lot of a exactly. blessing because you have exactly. to be more creative. Yeah. So I think it worked in your favor, honestly. Yes. You know, a lot of people probably you know, uh, would work the other way around. You know, it's like, oh, well, what story do I want to tell? And then, like, I'll create mechanics that fit the story. But, like, I thought it's interesting. I've never heard a game dev say it was the other way around. So that's really, you know, cool. Maybe I just haven't talked to that many game devs. <laughs> but I am interested to ask that question now from now on when I talk to other ones. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I've seen a lot of yeah. game devs that totally go for the story first and the game, the yeah. game. but it's a way. It's just a, a way. Yeah. And I've seen yeah. game developers doing the, the mechanics, mechanics first. Yeah. Totally. That's awesome. Well, those of you who are listening, if you have not played Dandara, you really should. It's just a blast. Yes, it's hard, but it's hard in the fulfilling and fun way. You have to play it. It's it's really just a blast. Um, what are you working on now? Like, I want you to hear, you know, what you're doing right now in, in Long Hat House. Like, you know, what's what's on the horizon for you as a company? So we are doing a lot of prototypes and continuing them, just like we made with Dandara before Dandara. Like, we did a lot of prototypes, some prototypes. We throw away some prototypes, we yeah. reuse it, and some pro- some prototypes grow, grow, and become the Nara. So we are on I that phase. I saw some of those. Yes. Some of those are interesting. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's cool. So when you're making those prototypes, right? Like, are you? Sometimes they they just stay as prototypes and like never make it to like full yes. games. But are there any of them that like 
you end up actually fleshing out like entirely and like trying to create into like full games and are you doing any of that now yes. with any of the prototypes you've made okay that's cool. exactly <laughs> what we're trying to do but we can like drop okay. them at, at any time but it's not like uh right. we throw away or effort is meaningless nothing like that like right. we learn a lot mm-hmm. when we say no yeah. that's because we learn a lot about it and right, we're right. totally going to apply all that knowledge on the next game right but, and i'm sure not all of them work as like big full games you know so you kind of have to like prioritize which one exactly but it's gonna make something it. that yeah. we really want to do it's like uh have a lot of because when you say an idea of a game there's a lot of yeah. talk about risk because uh, right. you're gonna make like yeah. two years making that game and minimum yeah. <laughs> Minimal and and yeah. it's gonna be a lot of risk and you're gonna be hiring people that maybe depends on you and you want don't want to lay off anybody. And we want and we when you say an idea to like and it's very abstract, just say it. It's very if if the idea is very new, it's very hard to like no, let's let's not do that. Let's do like a Mario game, a game that's proven, right? Let's yeah. do that because yeah. that's that's more more less risky but if you spend the time making the prototypes for the really weird stuff we can try to prove all that stuff that it works and the most games we have proven it's it's the best because after we end up after we end up a game we don't need to lay off anybody and we can start on a right. on a proven idea already instead of like uh we have to prototype this or we have to go to the less risky route right i don't know if i no, made absolutely. any sense uh, but no you made perfect sense like honestly there is a market for like the weird wacky like interesting different stuff like i know i love that stuff me and my friends love that stuff you know we hop on the discord sometimes and just play these like really interesting different games i think when they have a sense of humor too like we love those as yes. well there's a market for it you know and there I f- is a market i think sure. the games that really hit up like the games that really mm-hmm. are that a bit they start as that like fall guys among us they have to be yeah. started like is this gonna work i don't know because it's not proven <laughs> it seems silly it but seems like silly, it works yes. It's so fun, you know. Those games are they're so much fun. Yeah. So yeah, definitely keep doing what you're doing. Like you do not have to make every other game that every AAA title has made. Because no, that's doing another. You, that's you another thing. Do. That's impossible. Yeah, they do what they do. Yeah. Just, you do what you do. Um, absolutely. I wanted to, you know, on that note, I wanted to go into sort of like your hopes for the industry as a whole. So, you know, we talk a lot about Latinx representation in video games and like lack thereof sometimes sometimes we like have a hard time finding like latin american characters and like video games and stuff but yeah uh, i want to know what your experience with that is like in brazil uh and also just the industry in general like the latinx representation in the game developers do you see a lot of it in latin america right now well i've seen a lot of brazilians like leaving the country to work on AAA. like mm-hmm. our, some of our best minds and i've seen that from the entire latin america really yeah, uh, makes which makes yeah. sense, right? They 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 have AAA markets outside. We don't. Right. Uh, we we're gonna start to have, I think, but yeah, I hope so. Too. Like in the way that they make God of War, no, it's still like needs a lot of time. But, yeah. But like mobile AAA, yeah, we're close to that. Uh, yeah, that's cool. 
but mm-hmm. Latin representation, like in development, I don't know about like uh, outside abroad, right? How it is? Right, how right. It, 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 I, probably it is bad, right? But I <laughs> cannot say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But on games, that's another thing as well. I think uh, it's a complicated. It's something that started to to show in my head. But I think the discourse we have on on the industry is very entrepreneurship kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's a lot of talk about surviving and having like a, a, a company that's uh, sustainable. And you have to be. And yeah. I think the Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. there's a like a tug of war in there between totally. this yeah. and the art of making games, and I think the Absolutely. the art is losing totally. Nobody started yeah. t- talking about art. Yeah, I think there's. I'm glad a, you said it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking it. I'm glad you said it. Yeah, I, there is a lot of cash grabbing like right now happening, especially with like. Yeah, uh, I, I feel a certain way about in-game like purchases and things like that. But it, I, it does feel like a lot of times, sometimes people are just making games for like the money, and I understand because you need the money. Yes, to make the game. exactly. It's super, super hard to yeah. to make games, and that discourse needs right. to happen because I've seen a lot of horror stories from the other side. People that uh, make spend like seven, eight, nine years making a game that ends up being really like not received well at all, that's a horror story, right? And yeah. the inter- entrepreneurship kind of thing like tries to evade that, which I appreciate, but we are start- starting to forget so much about the art side of things yeah. that we... And I see this on all, all over Latin America, like making a, a game that is proven by the market, everything else... Mm-hmm. It's too risky, and I think that kills kills, kills the, the creativity. Artistry. Yeah, yeah, it totally does. No, you're right. I I agree with you. I'm glad that you said it, and we're honest about it. Um, yeah. Which this is kind of a, this kind of like related, but also not related. Uh, I'm gonna throw a random question at you. <laughs> if you had advice to give to aspiring Latin American game developers, right? Like, let's say someone that's starting out just the way you did, like they're computer science majors who met in college and they have a dream and they really want to focus on on the artistry and they want to be indie game devs. Like, what would you say to them? Um, what's your biggest piece of advice? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say like a very realist thing. I'm not going to go for the art scene for, uh, for the beginning. Uh, yeah. I think you should uh, start making it something as soon as you can and finish it as soon as you can that's that's really looks like a detail but it's really important like try to make simple games at first very simple mm-hmm. try to make something that you think it's ridiculous to implement like pac-man clone ah that's <laughs> super easy to implement no try that because you're yeah. going to discover so much hard stuff mm-hmm. that is making games every game is a miracle <laughs> right yeah, that's good practical advice. Yes. You know, it's just just do something and learn from it, you know, instead of just waiting around for the perfect idea. Exactly, because uh, when, I, when I was like 18 years old, 20 years old, I was like waiting for my teacher to give my, to give my assignment of making a game or waiting right. for an employer 
finally. Mm-hmm. I was really waiting when I shouldn't. Totally never, like, n- probably never gonna happen, like an employer going to do that. So you have to, and it, it's good because you like find your team, find find around. You have to yeah. like be indie in in yeah. Latin America for the most part. Uh, and be generalist, like we say, like wear a lot of hats. Right. It's so it's good that you finish the game and know how to finish it. Uh, mm-hmm. Start showing your work to other people so you can collaborate with them. Uh, with the yeah. pandemic, it's hard, but I think we have still have social media, and when the pandemic stops, we can we can Get start like joining up together. Going to events yeah. is really important, like showing up and showing so, like yourself. conventions and stuff right like especially for indie game devs like going do, do like do you go to like pax east or anything like that pax like, east is kind of like a gamer thing yeah. more than a dev thing more than for the devs yeah, yeah. That's weird. like what would be more for the devs like e3 or yeah i i don't think even that i think like really? you are from yeah. from latin american kind of experience like go to your city there has to be someone that Something. wants to make games as well yeah so you join up in a park in a bar whatever you can Mm -hmm. at somewhere's house where you can like show your phone show your games to each other and feedback about Mm -hmm. it that kind of event like really local events that really helps a lot yeah it sounds like the the moral of the story is like grassroots like you know just grassroots from the from the ground up self-made you know indie is like latin america it seems like the culture for the video game industry there is just Start from the ground up, you know, build yourself from a small place and become a... Exactly. Start to form a community. And then with the community, you have a little bit of political power as well. Like you can talk Mm -hmm. with the mayor or the governor or whatever. A little bit that there is a a gaming industry here that that you can like invest on. Right. Right. To be good for the community. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Because asking it's true. a lot of people don't think about that. Yes. It's an important part of it. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. going to E3, going to game games Gamescom. No, not Gamescom. I forgot GDC. Going to ah, GDC, yeah, yeah. the game developers conference, is cool, mm-hmm. but it's super, super expensive for us for Latin America. Yeah, because it's not close. It's not close, <laughs> and you have to go to yeah. a city like San Francisco and pay Mm-hmm. a lot for That's like fun. lunch california is expensive yes yeah <laughs> california is very expensive so it's not um, really as- yeah, accessible no, so mm-hmm. the the local thing really helps it really helps i've seen it on bella Horizonte, my city it's a big city but i've seen it on all over the states as well the, the minas gerais state and it mm-hmm. really helps that's great advice. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, that's super cool. I hope that people listening take something from that. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It was so much fun having you on. Thanks uh, for having me. That was a yeah. lot of fun. Yes. Of course. Yeah, it was really, really awesome to get to know you and, and uh, give you some give you some exposure. Audience, yes, please check yes, out Sundaro. Check out Long Hat House. Check out whatever they're doing next. Yeah, longhathouse.com. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes, go to the website. Um, but yes, thank you so much for tuning to Sobre Mesa. Don't forget to uh, like, comment, subscribe, and sign up. Follow us on social media. Sign up for our notifications and all that fun stuff. Yes, smash uh, the Thank the you bottle. so much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. All right, have a good one. Bye. See ya.
This has been a Mila Tinidad podcast. For a video of today's episode, visit our YouTube channel, Mi Latinidad.